Hello, this is James Miller, your future strategist. On our last episode, geneticist Razib Khan said there's a decent chance we're going to get embryo selection by 2020. In this podcast, I want to explore what the implications of that would be. So let's, let's set this up. Let's imagine that it's 2020 and embryo selection for intelligence has already begun to work and people expect it to quickly get much, much better. So if you know, parents want to have a child and use this technology, let's say it's 2020, they go to a fertility clinic and the fertility clinic helps them create a bunch of embryos. They then have the DNA of the embryos scanned and analyzed and the fertility clinic will say, you know, we've made 100 embryos, these 50 are simply not viable. Of the remaining 50, maybe there's four or five that have some genetic defect where you certainly wouldn't want them to become your, your, your healthy child. And of the rest, we're going to estimate the IQ, the, the health, uh, maybe some facial features, and you get to pick. So parents who do this will have a vastly lower chance of having a child of below average intelligence and conditional on them having a child of above average intelligence. Let's say, I'll, I'll just make up a number. Let's say the child's going to be a standard deviation smarter than the child would have been absent embryo selection. So maybe, again, given that the child's going to be of above average intelligence, the child maybe gets another seven IQ points. Furthermore, let's assume that this technology is growing, people think it's going to get a lot better, and we're not just going to be able to select embryos soon, we'll be able to use gene editing technologies like CRISPR to, to select genes that maybe neither parent has. So we'll be able to, in, you know, by 2025, kids might have an average IQ of 130, and people expect within 20 years we'll be reliably producing children that are smarter and healthier than have ever existed. So what's going to happen? Now, obviously, in the long run, this just changes everything, right? These kids will be innovating. They'll be developing you know, new theories of physics. They'll be coming up with uh, new computer programs. And it'll just, the world will radically change. So you know, everything is different by 2050 if, in 2020, we start doing embryo selection. And that continually gets better. But for this podcast, I want to focus on what would happen in 2020. So long before these kids are coming online, and I'm not anticipating you know, six-month-old babies to you know, unify quantum physics to relativity. So what, what happens in 2020 because people anticipate that we're going to get vastly smarter children in the future? Now, this is based on the idea, this, this podcast episode is based on the idea that a lot of financial markets and a lot of people are forward-looking. Let's say Apple tests out some new product and it's just fantastic. They let the world know about it. It's just it's some revolutionary new gadget. They're like, you know, but we're not going to be able to sell it for three years. You know, it's going to take us three years to figure out how to make it cheaply. But oh man, in three years, it's going to do really, really well. Well, if Apple proves to the market that in three years they're going to have this fantastically profitable product, then Apple's stock will immediately go up. People aren't going to wait for three years if they know that in three years Apple will have the product or if they're, you know, say, 90% confident Apple will have this product because stock markets are forward-looking. If you think Apple stock will be very valuable three years from now, that immediately raises the value of Apple stock. And of course, people who have Apple stock in their retirement, they'll be like, oh, I'm richer now. I'll spend some more money. So 
if Apple, if people think in three years Apple's going to be doing have an extraordinary, extraordinarily successful product, then people who have a lot of Apple stock will be richer today and they'll spend more money and that could overall help the economy. Furthermore, Apple's competitors, if they're like, man, in three years, Apple's going to have this product that'll drive us out of business, they'll like, you know, it's not worth investing more money in companies. Why should we build a new factory if we're building something that's going to be made obsolete by Apple in three years? So companies are very forward-looking, and if people anticipate something to happen in the future, that'll immediately affect what they do today. Similarly with, with individuals. You know, you're, you know, if you're 45 and you're saving for retirement, well, your saving for retirement, you expect, won't begin for 20 years. That means you're saying, hey, I'm going to save money now because of what I think the world will be like in 20 years. So your expectations of what the world will be like in 20 years affect what you do today. And politicians as well. Right now, I think the biggest political issue, at least if people were paying better attention other than existential risks, are the entitlement crisis that you know in the United States, where we've made these promises to uh, senior citizens that are going to be very hard to keep unless we have some rapid economic growth, and so politicians, or at least foresighted ones, are saying, "Hey, wait a minute, we're going to be in huge trouble in 20 years, and that should affect what we're doing now. That should affect our taxation, our borrowing, our spending policies, what we're doing with entitlement reforms today." So rational actors, strategists, need to be forward-looking. And so if we get this massive techno new technology in 2020 that promises to just radically upchange things, well, that should immediately affect people's behavior. So now let's, let's go on. Let's analyze what, what's likely to happen. First, I imagine that there is going to be an enormous push in rich countries to start having all parents using this um, technology. You can imagine if, let's say, China is the country where they start using embryo selection and word gets out, and people are like, oh my god, these Chinese babies are going to be, they grow up to really, really smart adults. A lot of Americans are going to be very scared. They're going to say, hey, we better start now. We certainly don't want to wait 15 years to see how this turns out. Then suddenly, Almost all of the smartest people in the world are Chinese, are loyal to the Chinese Communist Party, are developing weapons for the Chinese military. So I think the way this could play out in, in terms of what people think of the morality of embryo selection is sure at first they'll be saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't do it, should we ban it? Then it'll turn to, well, if other countries are doing it, we should allow it. Then I think it'll turn to, well, maybe we should subsidize it. I see in the United States a left-right coalition to subsidize embryo selection if you know it's, it's been proven to work, or at least if people think it'll probably work. The left will want it for reasons of equality of opportunity. You know, if, if just the, the rich or just the rich and middle class are raising the expected intelligence of their kids using genetic technologies, you know, the, the left's going to be like, wait a minute, now that we're giving the poor a permanent disadvantage, they, they won't like that and they'll want to fund it. The right, too, will strongly support subsidizing embryo selection for the poor. Uh, first, the, the lower someone's IQ, the more likely they are to spend their life on welfare, on government assistance. And of course, if someone is not is intelligent but is unhealthy is it unable to work they're also going to spend their life on government assistance so providing embryo selection free to the poor will you know will reduce the expected welfare burden of the poor's children also you know the right is very concerned with national security 
and having more, the smarter your population, the probably the stronger your country will be. And finally, the right is very, very concerned with crime, and we know that there's a negative correlation between IQ and crime. So I imagine there'll actually be a very short gap between when people are seriously considering whether we should ban embryo selection in America and when people are seriously considering when we should ban parents not using embryo selection just because of you know, how utterly important this thing is gonna be. Parents are going to be much more likely to want to use embryo selection, the more other parents are doing it. I think there's gonna be network externalities with embryo selection. So let me explain what a network externality is. When a product has a network externality, like a telephone does, the more people on the network, the more valuable the product is. So if only one person has a telephone, the telephone's useless. The more people who have a telephone, the more valuable the telephone is. It's the same with Facebook, right? If you're the only one you know on Facebook, it's, it's useless. But the more people are on Facebook, the greater the value because you know Facebook is a network, and the more people are on the network, the more useful it is. Well, you know, embryo selection for intelligence doesn't create a network, but what it does create is it's saying, you know, the peer group is going to be smarter. If embryo selection is going to be raising the average intelligence of the next generation, that makes it more valuable for your kid to be smart, and it makes it more costly for your kid to not be smart. Because, you know, education will probably push towards the mean, um, the level of entertainment, the equality of television shows, how difficult it is to follow shows, will be pushed towards the mean. So if you're really, really smart today, you know, there's a lot of advantages, but there's also some big disadvantages because it's hard for people to understand what you're saying, you're out of step, you know, most of popular culture doesn't really sync with you. So being really smart is going to be easier in a world where there's a lot of other smart people. Similarly, you know, having an IQ of 100, while fine today, is really going to suck in a world where most people have an IQ of, say, 140. You'll be lost. You won't be able to follow simple movie plots, well, plots that are simple for the average person. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of parents who at first, oh, I wouldn't want to take a chance on, you know, something going wrong or this is unnatural. But then it'll occur to them, wait a minute, my neighbors are using embryo selection and my kid will be the slowest one in his class if I don't use this? No, I, I better do this just to keep up. And then, of course, this doesn't take into account the advantage of not having to worry about your child getting diseases. Embryo selection won't just be for intelligence. It will be to get rid of genes that make you predisposed or destined to get dangerous diseases. And, of course, eventually it will be to edit in genes that make you healthier. And I think you know parents will will who don't use embryo selection will live in horror. What if what if my kid gets some deliberate um, horrible disease that causes him or her to have a short and painful life? And I know I could have stopped that had I edited their genes. You know when when they were just an embryo. I think the fear of that is going to cause a lot of parents to use embryo selection, especially especially if the government is willing to pay for it. Or what I predict will happen is the government's going to mandate it or even you know, pay parents a lot of money if they, if they do it. So once embryo selection sort of seems like it's going to work, I think at least among the world's middle and upper class, it, it's, everyone's going to use it. And probably even among poor people in rich countries, they'll get it. And maybe the main moral issue will be, should we provide embryo selection to poor people in poor countries? I, I could easily see the Gates Foundation saying, you know, the most efficient type of charity we can provide is to offer free embryo selection to poor people in poor countries to make their children, you know, as healthy and as smart 
on average as the children in rich countries who are going to be using this embryo selection. So this technology, it's going to be widely adopted. It's going to quickly go from people like, oh no, this is Frankenstein-ish to everyone has to have it. And if you don't support subsidizing everyone have it, you're an evil person. All right. Now, in terms of financial markets, we know that the higher the average IQ of a population, usually the better economically that population does. And I should stress this is not a genetic argument. It's quite possible that one country has a higher IQ than another because you know it had a lower disease burden or there was less lead in the air. So this is, you know, right now this doesn't have to do anything necessarily have anything to do with genetics, but of course it will have a lot to do with genetics if people are using embryo selection. So a lot of people will say, gee, these kids are going to be smarter and that is going to significantly raise future economic growth. So people are going to expect the future to be much richer than they otherwise would. This is going to cause the value of a lot of stocks to go up because richer people tend to buy more products. A lot of assets, you know, real estate is going to, people are going to anticipate it as a higher value because that real estate, you know, is, is going to, you're going to be able to sell that to richer people in the future. So this should really help the stock market. So one practical implication of this is if you think embryo selection is going to be a big deal, you know, maybe put a lot of money into stocks. Of course, I, I don't know how efficient stock markets are taking this into account. It's possible that hedge funds are already thinking of this and the current value of stocks reflects the possibility of embryo selection being a big deal. So this is already priced in. That's not something I, I've looked into. And oh, I should just say, I know you can't hold me legally responsible for any of this advice. I disavow any such responsibility. Okay. Now, this should also raise interest rates. If people are expecting the future to be richer, the future to be more productive, there is a greater value of making investments because you're making investments and these investments will pay off in a future richer world. So embryo selection starting to work will raise interest rates. And by the way, when I refer to interest rates in this podcast, I mean real interest rates. So just ignore inflation. I'm, I'm not going to deal with the effects of inflation in this, uh, in this podcast at all. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. So interest rates are going to go up. I think a bad thing, most of the consequences will be good, but one of the bad things are politicians are going to want to borrow more. Politicians will say, you know what, it's not such a big deal if we borrow a lot more and leave a debt for our children because they're going to be really rich and productive. They'll be able to pay it off. Also, higher interest rates means for countries that already have debt, well, it's going to cost more to service those debts. So that will also push up how much countries are borrowing. Now, the reason this is bad is there's a limited amount of capital. And if this capital is, is going to go to government spending more money, and a lot of it is probably going to be on, you know, on giving transfers to powerful political interests or giving transfers to, to senior citizens or poor people, there's going to be less money for investment. So unfortunately, even though it would be useful to have more investment in anticipation of having these really extra productive people, we're likely to get less investment because countries, a lot of politicians will say, hey, let's just have a party now in anticipation of the good times. The way if you know if you got a job at Goldman Sachs that we're going to pay 10 times your current income, the natural reaction of most people is to spend a lot of money right now. And for an individual, that could make a lot of sense. But when a whole country does it, it, it might not go well. I don't think the effect of what politicians are going to do are going to come anywhere close to canceling out the benefit of having all these smarter people. But it will, it will mitigate it to some extent. Another effect is I think 
And this might be sound a little paradoxical, but I think a lot of parents are going to postpone when they when they have children. If we anticipate continual rapid improvement in the ability to you know, improve your children through genetic engineering, a lot of parents will say, well, you know, if we wait five years, maybe our kids will be two standard deviations smarter and a lot healthier. A lot of parents will say, hey, let's just, let's just wait. Also, this technology, my, my guess is this technology is going to allow people to have children when they're older compared to now. So a lot of people might say, hey, you know, we're thinking of having kids at 30, let's wait till we're 40. Now, normally with today's technology, you wait, you know, the couple's 30, you wait till you're 40, there's a chance that things aren't going to work. But my guess is this technology is going to make it easier to have kids when you're 40, maybe even 50, especially since this is going to drive a huge amount of money into fertility clinics and, you know, everything sort of associated with it is just going to get, you know, really, really well funded. So in conclusion, I think embryo selection by 2020, even if it's only relatively modest, if people anticipate it's going to have a big effect on the world, it's going to you know, cause value of the stock market to go way up. It's going to push up interest rates. It's going to cause politicians to start, to start spending a lot more money. And it's going to cause couples to postpone when they have children. Well, thank you for listening to me today. Goodbye.